You're listening to the Business Secret Podcast. The podcast is a chance for some of Wales' finest upcoming and established business owners to share the story of their business journey. Hosted by the team here at Penguin, our guests talk in depth about how they got to where they are today, offering invaluable advice on marketing, challenges, and the highs and lows of life as a business owner. If you like what you hear, then don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment across our socials. You can download your free copy of the book, The Business Secret, direct from our website on www.penguinwealth.com. The book is written for business owners by business owners, offering invaluable tips on time management, work-life balance, how to pick the right team, and so many more activities and tips to get you on the right track. So hi, welcome to the next episode of the Business Secret Podcast. I'm here today with Robert Lebeau, founder of Appalingua, which is cloud-based translation platforms for those of you who might be interested. On his 24th birthday, Robert quit his job with no plan and has now grown his business in the last couple of years from just him and £150,000 turnover to six colleagues, £750,000 turnover in just those three years. Rob feels that his journey started at the age of 13 in the playground as a sweet seller. I've got a similar story that I might tell you about later, um, and has achieved 300% growth in the last three years. Rob was fortunate enough to meet the Queen at Buckhouse a couple of years ago, and has recently started his journey in mentoring others, uh, other businesses in the tech space. Welcome, Robert. Thank you. Anything I've missed? No, I mean, I don't tell my teachers about those selling those sweets. <laughs> I don't think they ever knew about that. I got caught for selling the things you put on your fingers as condoms at the age of 12. Ah. Uh, so, you know, everyone's got to start there somewhere. There we go. Um, I had the money taken off me. Good markup, I hope. I can't remember. <laughs> I had money in my pocket. And that's all that mattered at that age. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Applingra and what it does. Yeah, so like you said, Applingra is a cloud-based translation service. Essentially started out um, to help tech companies, software companies, app developers translate their software and web platforms from English to any language in the world. Um, I originally worked at a software company after I graduated from university. Uh, I studied business and German. So kind of lent itself well to start a translation uh, business uh, eventually. Yeah. I would say that um, if we, while we started to be more a tech company at the beginning where we wanted to reinvent the wheel, disrupt the te- a translation industry, we're now very much a translation agency and we'll talk about more about that later, uh, which you know takes people who don't really know much about translation from nothing to having their app in 20 languages around the world. Okay, so what's the difference between what you do and, say, me using Google Translate? Yeah, so Google Translate is an artificial intelligence uh, piece of software which works very, very well for what it does. Um, obviously, you can translate from any language to any language, um, but it's it's lacking. It knows the, the official rules of a language, but it doesn't always know how to connect certain parts of speech together in the right way. Right. So you might put something in that seems quite simple, but if you understand linguistics, what you get out is something completely different, and you can you can trip yourself up in many different funny ways, um, and there are great examples online. So you would never use Google Translate to do a, a business-sensitive or an official letter of any kind. You might use it if you're flirting with someone on WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So between you and your six colleagues, you've got all the languages covered, or is it the software, you've built the software that can just pick that kind of stuff up? Yeah, so we um, we are more like project managers and client relations. Uh, we hire hundreds of freelance translators around right. the world in each country. We use software in the middle, which is part developed by us, part developed by other companies. Um, where we plug together kind of client requests, client work, documents for translation, app for translation, 
we manage it, we quality assure it, but translators in individual countries actually do the physical translation. Wow, okay. So they might use a uh, machine translation like Google for um, speed or for just getting through things, uh, understanding complex topics maybe, but they'll then, humans will then translate it into something that's legible to other humans. Okay. So we mentioned the journey started at 13, but it was your 24th birthday where a sequence of events happened and you mm. decided to set this up. Talk us through what happened. Yeah, so as I said before, I, I finished university uh, when I was 22, um, and I had done a placement in Munich before that in Germany. And after university, it was the financial crash. All these graduate schemes were being cancelled. There weren't many jobs here in the UK. Uh, so I decided to go back to Munich, a slightly different job. It was a software company. Um, there was about 35 people there. It was a peculiar organisation. I made Lots of good friends there, great friends there, friends still today, 10 years later. But there was a very masculine uh, atmosphere, very blame culture. Um, it wasn't a place to grow in the right way, in my opinion. Yeah. And so I had enough one day. It was the final straw and I walked out and I went to HR and said, I'm leaving. Um, and it was cold, it was snowing, it was November the 18th, my birthday's November the 20th, um, and I phoned my mum, because I was only 23, and I said, mum, I've quit, and what do I do now? And she was panicked, and like, what are you going to do? Munich's so expensive, etc., etc. And I said, okay, just leave it with me, give me a couple of days. And then on my birthday, I phoned her up and said, I'm going to start my own company. Um, I'm going to treat it like a master's. I couldn't afford a master's at the time. Um, the work environment wasn't so great because of the financial crash. Uh, most of my colleagues had gone on to work in for the big four because I did a business degree. Um, so I decided to do something a bit different. I thought I'd start a company. And then I looked back at my two years at, at that company and I thought, what problem could I solve? And that was the first thing that was that came to mind was getting the software translated wasn't something I ever thought of before those first two days. I never sat there and thought, what kind of company could I run? I basically sat there out of desperation and thought, I need something to do. I don't want to get another job at the moment. It'll be difficult to find another job at the moment. Uh, let's learn, create a business. And the first problem that came to mind was translation, because there are millions of translators in the world. It's the oldest industry in the world, apart from the one that everyone names. Um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, a lot of the translate because it's the oldest translate uh, tran oldest industry in the world. A lot of those companies are quite old fashioned, and obviously the tech industry, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, apps went from zero to yeah. everywhere. How could we? How could we help those app developers and think like them, be a little bit geeky like them, be where they are uh, to get their software translated so Chinese people or Japanese people can actually to use these apps as well. Um, and so I moved back to the UK, moved back to Cardiff, lived with my parents for a few months and worked day and night on the laptop in the spare room trying to make a company. Yeah. Um, and I was very fortunate that I had my first client within two weeks of starting to trade via Twitter. We didn't even have a website. Um, someone had tweeted out that they wanted translation work and I thought, let's just message them, say I can do it. Yeah didn't even have translators at this point so I don't know how I was meant to do it but I suppose when you're 24 you might have a little bit of risk of, you don't have the risk aversion you do when maybe you're a little bit older um, 
and I made it happen day and night to find the translators, make sure I got it, wasn't it right. That you had to. There was a language you didn't. It wasn't. It was language eight languages. Had. It was. It was a huge bit of software. My first ever invoice was one of the biggest for that year. It was, I think, around five thousand pounds at the time. Uh, like I said, I didn't have a website, didn't have translators, didn't have a invoicing system. Um, I just made it happen. I've just sat at the desk, made it happen, and it worked out. And did that first client get great value at that price? They, that? they did. They did, and they stayed our client for until they stopped existing. So three years, four years, yeah. Um, so I was really happy about that. Wow. I still actually, those first translators from that first month, there were, I think, eight or nine of them, and still six or seven of them work for me today, nine years later. So we said earlier that you've got six employees that's working with you day-to-day yeah. in the card ops, but then theoretically you've employed many, many people over the years then. Yeah, so payroll-wise, um, there's six of us, and actual people we work with, it's hundreds every week. Um, and like I said, we, we send Christmas cards and birthday cards to each other, and that's part of the culture at AppLingua. We... Uh, like to include people, even though in theory they're not my staff. Uh, they are. So I, I hear a lot of people using outsourcing over the last five, ten years. Um, yeah. Do you treat those people as if they were part of your internal business? Do, do you, is the recruiting the same? Yeah. Is the culture, the values, everything you're trying to do make? Do they have to try and mirror that? Very much so. Okay. Um, these people aren't resources. The, something I picked up early on in previous jobs were calling people resources. To me, was never going to fly. These people are humans, they have their needs, their wants, their, their problems, but also because of all that, they are better workers. And certainly in translation, which is quite creative field sometimes, you need diversity of people, you need people on your side to understand the motive behind a project. Uh, you can get a lot of charlatans, so we invest a lot of time in, in, in recruiting the right translators who understand who we are. Um, but also that we understand who they are, because uh, that's really important to us. So do you have a recruitment process? Um, so for the translators, absolutely, and for internal, obviously. Uh, translate. Can you expand on that maybe? Yeah. Just so, a chance of how they might think about creating a process. So for like, if you're outsourcing clients, for example, or sorry, outsourcing um, freelancers or anything like that, any part of your business, I've done it for many different parts of my business, uh, the recruitment always goes through the standard stuff, so... Do they tick the right boxes at the start? Um, do they have the right skills? So for us, that would be, do they actually, you know, are they actually a native speaker of Russian? Do they live in Russia? You know, but if it's a web developer, do they do the language they're supposed to do? Um, and can they prove it? Um, and then... So you'd ask them in advance to send you some kind of samples? Samples, yeah. And we, we then test our translators. So we send them something to do. Um, and I see this... I used to see this as an inconvenience to them, um, but if the relationship is going to be a long one, which we all hope it will be, uh, then really, you know, something that takes an hour for them to translate or half an hour to work on a, a web, a small part of your website to test them in that way or a graphic designer to just do one small thing. I think, you know, if you're going to give them substantial money over the years and some of them have made a living from us, um, then it's okay to test them. Um, it's okay to follow up on their references. But then it's also okay to Skype them or to email them back and forth to understand them a little bit. Um, and certainly what you'll find with outsourcing, there's a, there's a tendency to go uh, abroad because we feel like it's cheaper sometimes, mm-hmm. especially than more so than the UK. You, this is absolutely where, where my business comes from. It's like you always then have to understand that culture exists. And British working culture is very different from even across the sea to France. 
it's very very different from Indian or Chinese working culture and you kind of have to appreciate that you can read I'm not cast any aspersions on this podcast but you can read it all online somewhere mm. there are there are cultures which say yes to everything even when they can't do it so you have to navigate that um so if you're looking for a translator in a certain country you'd go and do a bit of research on yes all oh, right okay yes and not just translators like people who have worked on scripts for our website or done a bit of develop, development work for us mm. or uh, even like bookkeeping support you know um a lot of people go to the philippines for bookkeeping support of uh, obviously it's a much cheaper place to hire people than the UK but these cultures often say either oversell themselves or some of them undersell themselves um, and you have to mitigate that when you're recruiting so you can just look up cultures and how it affects their working Um, but other than that my main aim with outsourcing is to get to know them so they treat you like a friend rather than a client so how would you do that? So that's key, key, well, key ways to do that. I mean, the, the simple way is literally asking how they are and meaning it, um, and then asking a little bit about themselves. And every time you send them an email, you don't just say, "Can this be done?" or I, "I've got this new project. Do it by Tuesday." It needs to be a bit more like, you know, "Thanks very much for the last one. It was great. Feedback was great." Um, or this could be improved even, you know here's the next bit of work if you have any questions just call in fact if you want to just set up a call now in advance we can totally do that just try and ensure that although there's often 10,000 miles between you it feels much closer mm-hmm. if you're much more approachable okay. do you involve them in your team whenever you're having anything central for your team I don't mm. know exactly how you work would you try and involve them with stuff like that if they want to be so I travel a lot um, and so do my colleagues and if we're in a town where one of them live uh, we'll go meet them um, several have come through Cardiff as well from Brazil on a little trip in fact they've come to the UK to go to London like everyone does and then they'll be like oh what happening was in Cardiff so they'll come to Cardiff and we'll have dinner together and or in the south of France or Barcelona you know it's it's cushy for us because yeah. we like to travel as well but it's it, it feels it makes me feel proud that these people want to meet yeah. us and we're happy to my colleagues as well who aren't me who don't run the business want to meet them which is quite nice as well do you do anything different for managing given the difference in cultures do you do anything different to manage the internal culture and um, recruitment process or is this all thing um applinga is very diverse it's six of us um i think we all come from a different country uh, we all speak multiple languages and have lived in multiple countries so obviously english takes precedence um because we're based here in cardiff um but culture is something we discuss all the time uh, and so in the office everyone also has a has an understanding that maybe one of our colleagues doesn't quite get it because they come from a different culture um and then we'll mitigate that we'll we'll work around it okay fantastic what well, in your Short history, nine years, not long. Well, three years, is, as you said, it is what you're taking it really serious. What risks have you taken in the business and what did you learn? Yeah, very much so. I think, obviously, the start of Applinger was a big risk. Uh, not having anything to do. Having, I think I had €250 Euros in my bank account. By the time I got home to Wales, I had £50 pounds in my bank account. And I thought, well, I mean, thank God I had parents who, who didn't charge me rent or anything. So that's great. A leg up, certainly. Um, but, you know, the Applinger's bank account started with 50 quid and I filled in that 
form when you start a company with a thousand pound share capital only to realize that you have to actually pay the thousand pounds into the company at some time during the first year or at least in kind at some point um and I, was like, I don't have a thousand pounds like what have i done so you take the risk you make mistakes but obviously i've learned from them now um that was a big risk a huge risk was employing my second employee full-time he originally started on a three-month contract um and I was at a point where I thought, can we really afford this? But can we afford not to do this? Was that to deal with certain accounts or to attract new business? It or? was originally a, a part of, it was originally to develop something completely new. So it would have been a, a further cost to the company. But I thought that if we could get this out, if we could finish this project, then we'll make money from it. As it turned out, that didn't actually work. Um, we didn't actually finish the project, but this this colleague did swap to more business development um, and did pay his way eventually, which is... So why didn't the project work in particular with anything we can learn from? Um, often things seem very easy on paper, but when you, if you don't plan them properly, and I mean really properly, then they're much bigger than you think. Uh, so like in this example, uh, we wanted to create some kind of education platform based around translation and accreditation of translators. Uh, but once you get into it, you know, making course content is one thing, getting it out there, marketing it, formalizing it, et cetera, et cetera, financing it is a massive thing. So I wasn't the best at, uh, planning in the first few years, which is why I say it was a lifestyle business until three years ago. Um, now I plan everything. Um, and of course the plan is flexible in some way, but my my biggest bit of advice always is to plan and think about every potential outcome, even if you can't think about everything, but at least try. And I, I do that with a flow diagram. <laughs> so yeah, okay. just a pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with it. No. Um, Jumping around a bit, let's stay with, you know, you've had some successes and lots of success to be where you are today. What, what's been the thing that hasn't worked so well, maybe the greatest failure that you've learned from? Yeah, so so like I said, so the, the business was very much a lifestyle business at the start, although I didn't think of it like that. I, uh, I travelled a lot while working. I was one of these guys who had a laptop in Rio de Janeiro and was working on my company. Um and it was going great. And at some point I thought, okay, I need to grow the company, go back to Cardiff, get an office, hire another member of staff. And I did that in the start of 2016. Um, but the business plummeted. It went from, at the time, on my own, making 160,000 um, to 118,000. But I'd hired another full-time member of staff. Mm. And so obviously my salary went down to pretty much zero, which I, I'm, yeah, uh, which was difficult, yeah. uh, very difficult. And what I've learned, the, perhaps one of the most important things I've learned is what you do in one year reflects, at least in my business, in the next year. Like, we all think that if I do X today, within the next few weeks, I'm going to get Y. But actually, I find that you have to do X, Y, Z today and a year later, you'll get the the reward. So this year's success, I'm fully 
I believe, I fully believe that it's based on the efforts we put in in, in last year. So okay. 2019 is based on 2018. And I know that the efforts we put in 2019 will hopefully produce better 2020. So a couple of follow-up questions. And what made you suddenly realise that you wanted to go from a lifestyle business to something more? Because you could have, you know, those numbers sound great, obviously not knowing what your net was, yeah. you don't want to know necessarily, but what was it you suddenly thought, I want to make this something more than just the 150 grand lifestyle to another business? Yeah, so actually, I don't, I don't mind sharing these numbers. So it was, um, net profit was 50%. So as you can imagine, a 28-year-old netting potentially 75k is a is a is a very nice figure it wasn't quite that because of other costs yeah, and yeah. stuff but you know it was it's a nice figure for a, for someone to sit in rio on a laptop earning very much so um but at some point you also have to battle in my head i had to battle like is this the reason is this is this my career is it someone who will come make money and go and that's it and i didn't think I didn't believe, I didn't want it to just be that essentially. I wanted I wanted it to be more. I wanted to create something that was bigger than me, than just me, that helped other people or other people could enjoy as well. Um, by, by that you mean colleagues and work, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, I hope it's an enjoyable place to work. I mean, you'd have to ask them. Um, we will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should, yeah, you should. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very, it's, I very much thought if there's more of us, if there's more money in the coffers, we could disrupt more, we could improve this process more, uh, we could be different. Uh, and it's something we're still working towards every day because we're still quite small relative to, to many people. But um, but yeah, I, I thought that if I was going to make a success of it, I wanted to do it in my 30s, I wanted to set myself up as well. I mean, it's not selfish to say that, you know, most people make their big advances in their careers in their 30s. And I was coming up to 30 and I thought, if I push this, I can make my big advance and make my 40s more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So it was very much uh, a driver of wanting to make a difference, but also improve my own situation. And what, so what I'm hearing though is, that, you know, even at that young age, you think, oh, legacy, my legacy, help more people, mm. help myself as well, which is absolutely nothing wrong with. But like you said, you were one of the early disruptors, arguably, and it's helping. Mm. Okay, fascinating. So I'm just interested in, you went from that 150, took on a member staff, went down to the 118, have you been able to mm. pinpoint sort of what, was that because you took your eye off the new business ball or yeah. demand dropped or? It was very much, um, and I, I'm conscious of this throughout the last three years where we've improved as well, there's a difference between doing just the work that's in front of you um, and then doing that bit extra. The bit of work that is in front of you will will make you the same amount of money next year, in my opinion, or in the, in the future. Whereas if you can give a little bit more to your business it hopefully that will produce dividends if it's done in the right way not always the case obviously but if it's done in the right way and also you've got to learn about opportunity cost like me doing reconciling the bank account means that i'm not doing business development and reconciling the bank account is a living wage member of staff it's someone on 10 pound an hour not someone who should be looking to produce more wealth for the business overall. And so I learned that I didn't have to do everything, essentially, and that helps growth. Okay, so something you said then about your income and various things, we talk a lot in our book about paying yourself first, and we find a lot of business owners aren't paying themselves first. You said, you know, when mm. that tough year happened, you went down to it in zero, which if I was your financial planner at the time, I'd have been drawing questions to you and saying, well, what's yeah. the point in doing this? How has that worked for you in your journey with paying yourself first, or maybe the last three years, more importantly, yeah. are you paying yourself first? Uh, it's a good question. 
Not always. I mean, yes, in the last three years, I've paid myself. Okay. Um, I think... I think what I learned is something actually that people in therapy often get told is that you will help others better if you help yourself first. So if you can get, if if you're not, like 2016, when I didn't pay myself anything, um, I also happened to have just bought a new flat, which I was renovating, which you can imagine cost a fortune. And I used to walk to work with pretty much half my brain power on thinking about potential debt that I could have. Or I was thinking about, um, well, all the time, you know, it was a very emotional time. It was very, very stressful. It probably aged me more than ever before. Um, you still look good for it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm not paying you for this. Um, it, was, it was hell, basically. And not paying myself was hell. Um, and also, it's natural then to start looking at colleagues and start thinking, well, you're not pulling your weight today which is human. Not everyone is 100% every day. But when you're in that position where you're like, I'm paying myself, I think, six and a half or eight grand this year, and you're messing around on Facebook, it's, you know, it made me into the person that I didn't want to be. Um, I never have been a micromanager, and I didn't want to be a micromanager, but I felt myself losing control because I lost the money. So I didn't have, wasn't paying myself much money. So I learned from that. And so the next year, I I did I did hold off on hiring someone because I thought, no, I need a little bit more. Um, and then that put me in a different frame of mind. The business, which meant that I put more effort into growing the business, yeah. not thinking about debt. And then I grew it even more. And then we got in the position where we, we have six people, but we could have, you know, there's enough money in the company to have an additional five, but we, we I don't believe in that, but... So I'm just going to pinpoint what kind of went went wrong almost. Was it because you invested so much time in training the, the new person and that took time away from developing the new business? Was it that your marketing stopped so you stopped attracting the work and you took your eye off the marketing because you were training and you... Yeah. Did you take it out of the box you were renovating the flat? I'm just mm. curious as to what... Um, so I think, like I said, I think it happened the year previous. I think it happened in 2015. Um, 2015, I had no overhead. Um, I was just with my laptop anywhere in the world. And she doesn't. I just and I did pretty well. And I thought there's enough money in the company here to go home, get an office, office overhead, member of staff overhead, all the stuff that comes with having a member of staff overhead. Yeah. And I found my. And then because I was just doing the bare minimum when I was in Rio de Janeiro or Argentina or San Francisco, I hadn't done enough sales, I hadn't done enough marketing, I hadn't done anything like that. Business development went out the window. It was just the work in front so of you me. Your time again, maybe you create more of a pipeline. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and actually there's something that we're very bad at at Uplink. Well, we, we, you know, this this year we'll have revenue of 750,000 and I don't think we've ever spent more than a thousand pounds on marketing in nine years. And until the last three months, we didn't have a sales or account management uh, process. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, People think it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Uh, I don't think in the current market, I think market has to cost money necessarily. There must yeah. be some resourcing to it maybe, but it doesn't have to cost I think, money. I think it, we relied on word of mouth a lot and we pushed it. So there was that was a marketing effort in some ways. Mm. Um, but I know that we could, we could, you know, had I have my time again, starting again right now, I think we'd be two or three times bigger than we are. Mm. Um, but now we're still learning. We're still growing. Uh, we're still using. We're still learning from other people. Essentially, um, what we need to do, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that. It's... 
We talk in our book about Robert Kawasaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you read that? I haven't. No. His concept would be: I would suggest that if you could do that again, and we work, you're working with someone like us, you could have kept paying yourself, and you would have found it within you to go and get that new business. His principle is: you pay yourself first, and you pay yourself before you pay the other bills, mm. because that, by default, if you know you've depleted the bank account already, you will by default find the work to make sure you pay all the other oh, that's bills. That's clever. Um, so that's why we, we talk about a lot in the book. If anyone's going to start a business, pay yourself first. Isn't that just panic, though? I would panic a lot. Possibly, but you'll get Forces yourself you. in that mindset of finding that extra bit of work, getting that invoice in that bit quicker. Yeah. Mar- making sure that marketing strategy is top of your list, not bottom of your list. You know, everyone's different. But, um, no, I get I get that. I understand. Yeah, because... We try a lot of people, when, they, when we say pay themselves, they think that means i just got to pay myself enough to pay my bills. Yeah. And we mean pay your bills and put enough away for your future financial freedom date. Yeah. And then everything else is the business expenses that... Team, yeah, else. and that's probably the that's probably the principle I work on now without naming it. Um, yeah. yeah, because I, I do believe that if you if you're sorted, not not only because of your future, not only because of whatever all these different things like you deserve it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but when you don't have the money that you need, it takes up brain power, Absolutely. and that that brain power is ten worth ten times more on business development. For not just you, for your colleagues, you pay yourself more, spend the money, spend the time on making new business. You make more money. Your colleagues get more money if they, you know, are due it. Absolutely. So absolutely. Um, this is a tough question to ask you, but we talk a lot in our book about work-life balance and it's important. Mm. But I get a feeling if you sat in real engineer on your laptop, there's kind of automatically some kind of work-life balance. Yeah. But are you making any conscious decisions as you go forward, at still a young age, to balance work and life, or do you find that, like you said, you can be sat anywhere in the world, so it's almost like you're almost. Yeah, almost got that balance right. I think, I think my work-life balance is very good, and you know, I, I'll get the uh, occasional swipe on Instagram saying, "Do you actually work?" It's all, <laughs> all, it's all a lie. Other, if your significant other was sat here, yeah. would they agree. That's the challenge. Um, I think the main issue is when you run a business that even if you're on holiday, there's always something in the back of your head, and if you're someone who's ambitious which I think most business owners are there's your free time becomes your free thinking time as well so it, it kind of pervades everything um, so I will I definitely have free time I definitely have good work-life balance um, I think that's very important to me I didn't at the start I think all new businesses go through this period of working your socks off not understanding what time is um, I think I think it's just a learning process but eventually yeah I got into a, a good cycle there are certainly that year when I had money problems. My work-life balance was awful. Um, now I'm more. In a sense, com- you're working too much, or you're work- too much time on flat. Working too. Oh, so, so it was oh, it was flat renovation in my spare time. It was work at work. It was constantly thinking about money. It was um, it was thinking about the flat in work, thinking about work at the flat, um, but also putting in extra hours trying to make more money. Panic business development which is never good like um yes a, a gun to your head can get you to do things that you normally put off but at the same time you don't do them that well sometimes so yeah it was a terrible year but now definitely good um work like i also say to my colleagues as well it's like you you, you don't open your laptop at home uh, don't you know you go on holiday and don't think about us we'll never contact you if you're on holiday i i don't believe there's anything in any business save maybe the NHS where you need to phone someone when they're on holiday. Um, so I don't. And it, I think it's a very important part of any business culture. 
Yeah, and yeah, if we, we've we've gone back and forth on this internally for a long time. But Mike, one of our colleagues, has just come back from a month in New Zealand visiting his son, mm. and he first thing he did this morning on Monday huddle was thank the team because any queries that come in, the team dealt with. We didn't have to yeah. contact him, but. If he'd, if he'd done that 10 years ago before being here, he'd have dealt with those things. Well, he wouldn't have taken the month in the first place. Yeah. You've got to have the team around you to trust. That they but can pick up the slack. It's chicken and egg, isn't it, really? Like, you, you start, you, I start, I was going on holiday when I started to have a small team and they would contact me all the time. And so it forced me to create process, create, train, the, train my colleagues um, so that they didn't need to call me. And conversely, it works the other way. So when they're working on something that I might not know much about, but I'm picking up the slack because they're away. I know there'll be a process document. I know that'll be written down somewhere. Um, they'll have handed it over in an email before. It's just process to ensure that people get the time that they need off, essentially. So you said you, know, you haven't focused too much on marketing, but you've had word of mouth and obviously you've grown it really well in the last three years. So mm. what has been the marketing approach that has done all that? Is it leaving people with a refer us mentality or mm. is or have you actually done good social media? You know, what's if someone can no. listen to this now? What could they? Don't look at our social media; it's terrible. Um, or terrible compared to where you wanted to be, or, and still better than lots of others. Or good question. Um, nah, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's it's there was a strategy at some point, but I'm I'm not sure about social media for my business. Uh, we're very much B two B. Um, does work obviously our first client came from Twitter but um, it's still something in that we're, we're planning essentially up until now our clients have come from word of mouth we've done a good job they've told other people in the industry um, we in your industry or in their respective in, in their respective industries um, we've um, partnered with one or two platforms online where people tend to go uh, to get translations and then right. they'll forward to us because um, we do the best job, um, but yeah, it's very much where, the money we're making is it. It surprises me considering how little marketing we do. But uh, now going forward, uh, I re I recognise that we're lacking those skills in house. So my colleague has been on you know Chartered Institute marketing courses, and and we're putting together a proper marketing plan and and going forward with that. Hopefully. Yeah, there's a, my, I've got I've got a flowchart. Mm. I love a flowchart. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. What do you see the big movement? What the big change being? Is it speaking at public events? Is it social? Is it PPC? Is it? So um, the events thing does work. I actually did do that in my first year um, and did help. Um, but the the industry's moved on. The tech industry, the web industry's moved on from that a little bit. I think we recognise now people on stages. We feel like we trust them less. We feel like they've paid to be right there rather than they've, they they deserve to yeah, be there. Yeah. I think nine years ago it was the other way around. Um, so now it'll probably be more conference stalls. It seems to work. Uh, content marketing, um, but also partnering. Um, there are, you know, every ad agency in the world essentially will need translation at some point. Um, we're going to approach as many as we can and hopefully partner with them. Um, we've had a few clients that way in the past. Um, Hopefully it'll work out for us in the future as well. Uh, we've always had a mentor here supporting us, and we talk about it a lot in the book. And I know you, we, I mentioned earlier that you've been doing some mentoring, but have you, did you have a mentor during your nine years? I still do. Yeah, uh, I got it from Business Wales. Believe it or not, it was a surprise to me. Um, why? Why was it a surprise? Because the reputation of Welsh government business support isn't great. Um, but actually, you know, uh, I was wrong. I phoned the number. I got a mentor. 
Um, he has been fantastic. We meet every three months. He gets absolutely nothing. Um, doesn't you doesn't want any, doesn't get anything from anyone. Um, so Welsh government must be funding. No, no, okay. no, because I am also a business Wales mentor. I became one later on. Um, it's it's really altruistic. I mean, he probably has his his private reasons for doing it. He's retired, right. um, but. I've learned a lot from him and can you give us any particulars or yeah like he he used to run a, sa- a big sales team um, I'm not naturally sales and he he well he, he acts as a soundboard basically when I want to approach new new things new biz dev how to approach certain clients of certain sizes because he worked in a company worth hundreds of millions um, and also, just a, an emotional support. Like I'll, I'll say, I'm feeling like this. I feel um, unsupported, or I feel um, like I can't go on because I haven't got enough money, or for myself, or anything like that. And then he'll always mm, talk me through it, a bit like a counselor, I suppose. Um, but also make a plan. Um, so there was a point last year where he was particularly useful because three people approached to buy me, uh, buy the company. And you know he was there. This is this is how the process works. He's he had been through it before, but what you should be thinking about all the time is what you're going to do next. Where are you? How do you see yourself? What do you want from this? Etc. 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 And his help made me eventually uh, decide it wasn't ready to sell. I had got energy inside me to continue and grow it more and and everything. So it was infinitely useful. Is that resource still available? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Business people Wales. To this just starting. Well. Doesn't matter where you are, Nigeria, I guess. Doesn't matter where you are. So no. Business Growth Wales is easy to find. Yeah, Business Wales. Um, I'm also co-founder of a group called Cardiff Start, which is uh, a group of entrepreneurs in the Cardiff area, but it doesn't really matter where you are. Uh, and certainly on there as well, you can post a note on Facebook on the group um, looking for help or advice or questions. And there are thousands of people who will, I think there's 4,000 people who will reply. Wow. Um it's a it's a so great result. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we're just starting to bring this to, to a close. What's your exit? What is your exit plan? We have to talk about financial freedom later. We were chatting about this mm. off here. What are you? What are your plans for financial freedom or for exit? Yeah, so um, I think I'd like to exit in the next uh, one to two years. Exit uh, this business. Exit and this business. Else, or exit yeah. and sit on your. Laptop engineer doing nothing. I've done that now. So I, there's definitely another one or two businesses in me. Um, I'm only 32, so I, I, I think I would, I enjoy working. I enjoy the business. So freedom for me financially would be exiting this business for a, an okay amount. You know, pay off a mortgage, have a bit in savings. Um, and then have enough to bankroll the next, say, two to three years of starting a different business. Um, so it's not even masses, right? Yeah. It's it's a sensible amount to to get me through this period, create some stability with mortgage-free, and then actually create the next business after that. Uh, but I, I do. So why, sorry. So why yeah. create? Why create the new business? Why not take up and go from there to there? Or yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, it's a. It's I'm human. And I've done this for nine years. Uh, oh, three, really, from what you say. Three, three has been the most exciting because it's been the most varied and I've learned the most. Um, my aim always is to learn new things. So 
if I'm still learning and I still feel like I've got a lot to learn in this current model, because this is a very much agency model, uh, then I will continue doing it. When someone approaches me and offers a good amount of money, but I'm enjoying it, I'm making a, enough money for me to be happy privately, then I'll continue doing it. But I feel like in you know, one, two years, this agency model, model will have taught me enough to move on to the next type of model um, and next business, which I can grow 10 times more than this one and 10 times faster. Okay, interesting. What's the one piece of advice you give to other business owners? I think you've already mentioned it. It's a mentor. Um, it's like, don't, never ever be proud. Um, make sure you can actually explain what your business does or trying to do succinctly um, and then go and tell every single person who'll listen to it from the person on the bus to an official mentor because you know I've had conversations in Oktoberfest in Munich <laughs> about what I do over loud Tom Jones playing in the background and copious amounts of beer and someone will have replied with something like oh you do this and I'll think well no we don't but that's bloody brilliant <laughs> so everyone can be your mentor an official mentor who's there through thick and thin is, yeah. is what you really want but you know a lot of people are guarded about what they do and I don't think you should be I think you know I I'm happy to tell my competitors every single thing about me um, I've been open on this podcast about certain things because it, it, I don't believe that information could do any harm basically I think we can I think learning from others is the best way to bring your own take your own business forward couldn't agree more absolutely if you were, let's go back to your twenty fourth birthday and you're starting this all again, but you know mm. now, you know then what you know now. What mm. three pieces of advice would you give yourself? Um, get a mentor. Oh. Here would be one. Yeah, get a mentor. Um, don't be. And this sounds really cheesy, but don't be afraid of success. Like at the start, I was worried that if I put too much in, I would get too much too quickly, and I wouldn't be able to handle it. Okay. But that's not. It's not the case. You find ways. People are resilient. You find ways to handle uh, it. And don't I suppose don't be guarded. Op open the door. Allow other people in. In terms of like you know, if you if after a year of starting your business, you find someone who'd be a great co-founder, even though you founded it, then talk about it. Um, okay. Think about it. Um, yeah. So we have now got a co-founder. No, no. I've got a number two who's uh, very invested in the business, but uh, uh, he joined three years ago. So okay. yeah. I would like to end these podcasts with a couple of short, quick-fire questions so people can learn a bit more about you. Mm. What book are you currently reading? Yeah. Or uh, listening to nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to books that often, to be honest. Podcasts, yeah, but not not audible. But um, not too busy at the moment. Too many Christmas things going on. Okay. What was the best business book you have read, though? Right, this one you've probably heard a million times or everyone listening has heard a million times. It's uh, Lean Startup, but only the first few chapters um do you know the author off the top of your head oh very no. very famous no by the time we both said that someone's probably googled it and got it already yeah no and, and and they should and just read the first few chapters and actually read it because everyone in the startup world in the tech world reads this book and then they start talking about it like they've actually understood what it means i'm not going to profess to know everything they were trying to get at but there's a there's a part in there which says test an idea in its most basic form, and you don't need to create an entire company to test your business idea. You can just do it like 
like a like a florist on a bicycle. You know, if you want to open a if you want to open a florist, why not sell flowers on the back of your bicycle for a while and see if you got a market? Yeah. And it's just the most basic version of what you're doing, and it's just great advice, I think. Okay. Gotta be honest, I don't think I've anyone else said that. One. Mm. Uh, what music are you currently listening to on your? Oh, games? look, it's December the second or third, so it's Christmas playlist twenty four seven. Before that, normally, uh, doing this three weeks ago. Yeah, if I'm working, it's normally something without words, acoustic guitar or some classical music I, the words totally distract me especially because we work with languages if I'm reading German or Italian or whatever Romanian I don't want to be hearing <laughs> words in my ear at the same time what podcast do you listen to would promote um, obviously yours Thank you. um, but podcasts for me are entertainment so when I'm walking the dog something like my father wrote a porno it's I listened to one of those absolutely okay. I didn't really get into it it was good no it's yeah, you have to be over 18 to listen to that podcast, but it is belly achingly funny. Oh, wow, okay, we'll have to yeah. come back to that at some point. What box set or TV show is a must for you? Mm. If, it's, if you're in the tech world, you've got to watch Silicon Valley. Uh, it's very close to the bone. If you're ever looking for investment for your business, go watch Silicon Valley. Really? Yeah. Okay. And who would be your business idol? Mm. Difficult one. I don't know if millennials have idols. Uh, have, have, have other people said idols in this podcast? Yeah, we yeah. should get one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes people we never heard of, but yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I don't. I don't think he's my idol at all. Um, but Steve Jobs once said something. Apparently, he was an awful boss, but he once said that someone asked him, "Why are your computers so clean and tidy inside when no one else, no one can see what's inside the computer?" And he says, "But I will know." And I like that mentality that. Yeah. You know, you keep your business clean and tidy in the inside, even if no one else can see it, because it will eventually present itself. Yeah. Rob, that's been fascinating. It could carry on, but let's bring it to a close. So the couple of key learnings I got was, if you're starting a business, look at what problem you can solve. Um, free time for a business owner is free thinking time, which I think is pretty powerful. Um, whatever you're looking to do, plan properly. Something you learned along the way, which not enough business owners, I think, take into consideration. So I'm gonna reiterate what you said is look at delegation. If there's something someone else can do to free you up to do the income generating stuff, delegate. And you seem to have learned that quite early in your journey. Um, mentoring has played a huge part in your journey and you're now giving back. And anyone who's listening to this can approach Business Wales. Um, and with regards to recruitment, um, don't be afraid to test new people who might add some value to your business. Um, I think that was, I really enjoyed listening to that. something we've gone back and forth about and worked at, tried to work out how we can test, but I think yeah. it's, fascinating for people looking for a for a crew and you have to have great processes so you can enjoy your time off yeah fantastic thank you very much for your time no thank you very much we hope you enjoyed this episode of the business secret podcast and managed to take away some valuable tips and activities to help you in your business journey this podcast is aimed at those about to start their self-employed life are already well into their time as a business owner or are interested in the business world of Wales. If you like this episode of the Business Secret Podcast, you can catch up on our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Every episode is available on our website on www.penguinwealth.com where you'll find a full transcription of each episode, useful links, and a step-by-step process on how to download and keep any episode released. You can also download your free copy of our book, The Business Secret, direct from our website. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts.